0: Incomparable, number 136, April 2013.
1: Welcome back to the Incomparable Podcast. I'm Jason Snell, your host. We are going to talk about something in this episode that we have previously denied all knowledge of, and once this episode is done, we will then deny all knowledge of again. Our topic tonight is a fine... Well, okay. A film that was released in 1999 will let you make your own value judgments. It is Star Wars episode one colon the phantom menace emphasis on the colon yes so joining me to talk about this is a uh quite a panel we've assembled everybody
2: was just lining up because they wanted to talk about this movie dan morin hi dan hi jason thanks for no 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 no, thank you no thank you i don't want to be here i'm i'm at gunpoint lightsaber point again Under point (laughs) are
1: you are you doing this podcast under protest
2: yeah. Oh, I mean, I do all my podcasts really technically under protest. This one is even more under protest.
1: <laughs> even worse. Okay, fair enough. Welcome. Good to have you here. Ha 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 ha. Serenity Caldwell is also here. Hello.
3: Hello, also slightly under protest, although mm. I think I'm more mad at Dan, because I watched episode one when it was out in theaters, because my parents wanted to go see it in 3D, and then he made me watch it again, because he had not...
2: I like that you say that I made you watch because I saw this in the theaters too, we'll get into that.
3: No, 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 I mean, I saw this when it was re-released like six months ago, I saw it in so the you, theaters. So you're
1: the one. Everybody, yeah. there is enough blame to go around. <laughs>
3: This is just the Blame podcast. Let's get this out of the way.
1: Steve Lutz is also here. You heard him laughing about Blame. Hi, Steve. Yippee! Yippee! <laughs> You're dead
4: to me, Lutz.
3: A more convincing yippee. And I
4: say again, because once apparently is not enough. Yippee! Uh, now, Monty Ashley is here. He
1: He's going to bring a much-needed uh, level of sanity, or insanity, <laughs> I'm not sure which, to the proceedings. Hi, Monty. Thanks for being here. I am pleased to be here. I was pleased to watch this
2: movie. You're also dead to me.
1: Uh, and then two people who I'm very glad to have on this podcast. First off, because uh, the other guys are fine. They're fine. But but I'm glad Greg Noss is here. We haven't heard him talk about Star Wars <laughs> since the first Star Wars podcast we did, uh, where we, we were recording for about five hours, and I think his wife... Like made him sleep in the basement for a week. After that, Greg, welcome back. You're on my list, Snow. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've been on your list for like 18 years now. And John Syracusa, of course, is here. Despite, I think there was a court order or something. That, you know, despite his protests, he he is here and apparently did rewatch Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Hi, John.
0: I'm assuming counselors will be available at the yes. end of this episode <laughs> to talk to us about our any feelings we might have. Yeah, talk us down.
3: There's a special hotline on standby. I'm, I'm
0: impressed Their first job that John pry
5: you from the fetal ball.
2: I'm impressed <laughs> that John watched a movie that doesn't exist. Well, according that's, to
5: him, that's
0: timey wimey
1: wibbly wobbly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's what we had to do. I I'd like to start actually because I I, I sensed a great <laughs> With a disturbance disclaimer. in the force, and and that disturbance which was made out of midi chlorians, I believe, sort of a cloud <laughs> of midi chlorians. Uh, suggested that I ask if anybody, John Syracuse, had any opening remarks that they would like to make (laughs) before we get started. I've prepared a
5: brief statement. John,
0: John, thoughts? I do have a brief opening statement. (laughs) Yes,
5: This is like the opening of Nuremberg.
0: (laughs) Yes, it it is. I think I've said all these same things before, but they belong here in this place in this episode. I I will be brief. Uh, So we've done a bunch of episodes about Star Wars before. Uh, Three beloved movies that make a nice little story. The first one we meet Luke in the last movie, Vader's dead, Empire's defeated, Luke is a Jedi. Sorry if you want to do the, the spoiler horn for that. Too late. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's just one wrinkle in the middle movie we learn that Vader is Luke's father. And this is the seed of the prequels. So the prequels are not more adventures in the Star Wars universe or the like- The tiny stunted learned.
4: seed that no one yeah. wanted to see grow yeah. in the first place.
0: And it's not like learning about you know minor characters or whatever. Uh, the seed of the prequels is, uh, is the fact that Vader is Luke's father, right? So the Star Wars prequels, as I see them, have one job. Explain how the good man who was Luke's father became Darth Vader. That's, that's the reason these movies exist. Um, and I don't know if we're going to do episode two and three. God, please, let's not do episode <laughs> two and three. But yes. Yes. either way, I want to make one overarching point before we begin this journey <laughs> it, or whatever we're down. doing here. Yeah. Forget for a moment about the terrible script, bad acting, Jar Jar Banks, all that stuff. The greatest sin of the Star Wars prequels is that they fail to provide a compelling rational story of how Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader. I'm sure we'll talk about all the other problems in the rest of this episode here, but above and beyond all of that, there's this essential truth. Uh, the prequels had one job to do, as far as I'm concerned, and they blew it. And they didn't just blow it, they blew it in a spectacular fashion, and I presume that is what we'll talk about for the rest of this episode.
2: I I will I will add as an addendum to John's excellent, excellent oh, opening wow. point. Which which I agree with wholeheartedly, is that more than that, because they failed so spectacular this job, they also kind of to a certain extent compromise the original trilogy in that their existence reveals something that is considered, you know, a major plot twist of the original trilogy. Which to me is problematic because how do you deal with the fact that you go into these like if you watch them in the supposed order starting in episode one and moving forward the that's, ending that's of empire is basically order. is spoiled and and as one of the great moments of the original trilogy that that i find
6: i find unforgivable
5: Empire's not that good anyway
6: but that's not this movie's <laughs> fault that's a different movie's fault Is it?
3: (laughs) This is the first movie leading up to it. I will say there is a way to get around that, which is the only way I can conceivably consider watching the Star Wars prequels, which is Machete Order, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, But still, uh, my main problem with this movie in particular is that the person with the most fleshed out character uh, who has the most interesting dialogue back and forth and dialogue exchange. R2-D2. R2-D2. R2-D2 (laughs) is a close second.
6: He has a hot scene with Podme, too.
3: Well, that's the thing. Alright, so R2-D2 can't actually speak in words or at least we get to make up whatever he's saying yeah so he automatically has That's good dialogue. lines yeah it's yeah, exactly. always
4: filthy everything he says is <laughs> unbelievably filthy
3: he's a droid what do you expect
4: he's mirroring what i'm thinking as i'm watching the film yes
3: but no it's it's the slave parts dealer it's watto watto is the only person who's a, a 3d character in this movie And he's not even three, you know, the only part of him that's technically 3D is the CGI that made him. And yet he is the most compelling character in this movie. This is a movie that has Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor in it. And the most compelling character is a CGI winged thing. And R2-D2. And R2-D2. Well, R2-D2 is awesome regardless. He wins the world, whatever.
1: All right. Thank you. Any other opening statements before I call my first witness? <laughs> Wait, is there a reason
5: that these movies exist other than to make a profit? I realize that's a goal of every movie that's made, but this movie came in with enormous cultural expectations, and they didn't even attempt to fulfill them by including any art. You know, John talks about the goal of the movie, the, the thematic end point that they were supposedly shooting for, but it was just time to make more money right
0: well no i I think there was that that seed of the movie is like like the 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 star wars movies make a nice whole story and there's just one little thing left you're Oh yeah, but like, but what about Vader? Yeah, I know. I saw the whole story. I saw how it ended and everything. But like, what, what about? How did he get to be that guy? Because I heard in the first one that he was a good guy, and then he became this bad guy. That is like the only untied up loose end. And if you're really into Star Wars, you're like, yeah, I bet that's an interesting story. Turns out. <laughs> but yeah, like, so but, but that, that's
4: one of those interesting stories, those loose ends that you don't want explained. No, I think it, you you can explain it much better if you can come up with your own solution on nah. that one.
0: You can explain it with a good story. There's, an, there could have been a, another good story there.
2: I, I agree with John. I mean, there wasn't, but I think, I think <laughs> you know, the idea of having. I think that I'm willing to give Lucas the benefit of the doubt in that he intended well when he set out on this journey, but he just massively failed in the execution of what he yeah, was Yeah, like I, I
0: don't think it was like a money grab. Like It's not like, oh, well, actually, he we already a had more money. Completely than self-contained story. And there's no reason for it. There was a reason. It's not like he had to. Oh, geez. Well, we've we've just wrapped up everything and there's nothing. I'll have to invent all new characters. You didn't. You didn't need to invent all the characters. You had Anakin he he deserved his, he, you know.
2: And in fact, there's a failure we can go into. Not inventing more new.
0: <laughs> well, I know, but I'm saying like, it's not as if it's not as if they were out there going, hmm, we, we really need to make some new Star Wars movies, but there's really nothing more to say. No, there totally was. Like, I mean, I think the, the three after, like the original nine plan or whatever, like the three after you could argue, boy, then what are you going to say? But for the prequels, there was a reason for them to exist. And I think that's why everyone was so excited about them because you, there, there wasn't like this trepidation of like, oh my God, what are they going to be about? Of course they were going to be about you know, Anakin Vader thing.
6: Yeah, everybody <laughs> wanted to see Obi-Wan teaching Anakin because we'd heard about it for so long. Um, and the Clone Wars got to mention. You could do, like that's
0: open. But that's that's called. Field,
5: I mean, you know? that's part of the backstory of the of the true trilogy is it's 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 the the fleshing out that you don't want detailed it, and, and in the detailing it ruins uh. it. It was t- a totally yeah. unnecessary venture
2: well, th- there is definitely detailing that ruins this. <laughs> I mean, I think we can all we'll, we'll get to the midolorian part later, and I think we'd all we all agree that that there is detailing there that ruins it i I don't think that necessarily just by the idea of wanting to see this uh, it necessarily its existence ruins it i i still maintain that there's a good yes. story that could be told here but the yeah. the the way it was told was really bad i mean i think i think it's to me it's interesting to see we have a character like obi-wan that has this hubris and realizes that that he has screwed up and tried to train this guy he was not capable of training and It is interesting to us to see this guy who has become the mentor to his son, like, well, okay, how did that happen? How did he screw up so badly? Like, was it really his fault? I mean, and how did this person who is, you know, supposedly, there's a whole, you know, the father issues and stuff going into that. How do our our fathers, who we look up to in many ways, end up failing us and and failing themselves
5: and i think there is an interesting theme in so that if, if the motivation was to tell that story why didn't they even make
6: a glance well, that's, blow that's at it? the question oh, well why? 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 They why? It just hard. you know it doesn't work because you've already seen it there have been good prequels and lucas thought he was making one he's not a good storyteller
0: even if you just want to pick like the like godfather part two where they're like oh do we really need to see the backstory of the guy who died in the first godfather yeah if you do it well it's good you know, it can be I, done. I don't
4: think, though, for Star Wars, I don't think there's any way that they could have possibly made this story that would not have disappointed 90% oh, of the oh, fan Oh,
1: I think, I think you're right. I think that's probably true, but... But, but they managed to disappoint 100%, which is a pretty yeah, impressive feat. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think filling in the backstory fundamentally means that you're going to ruin everything. I, I think that... Uh, and this could be an epic failure analysis if we wanted to go into there but you know for me I look at this and I think well first off th- this is a uh, something conceived as three movies and the first movie kind of doesn't need to exist in a lot of ways in every way <laughs> that, the, that the character of Anakin in this movie isn't important you know, the stuff in Star Wars that always fascinated me about the backstory was about, you know, uh I was te- I was training your father and he was a great pilot and then we find out in the in The Empire Strikes Back that he became Darth Vader and that story is really interesting. We don't get that story in episode 1. We get the story of this little kid, this little little kid who apparently is a a, a prodigy and he and there's this other guy who isn't Obi-Wan who meets him. And you know, it's not the story you know at all. That's the that I expected. It's not what we were it promised, is, and not in a good way. It's sort of like why? Did, why does this movie even exist? Uh, it, you know, and it sets up, and then it sets up things that it can't deliver on in other movies. So that's for me. That's the failing of this movie. It's not that this movie was trying to do an unwinnable task. I think. I think it just it was misconceived, and I think misslotted slotted in uh, in as episode one of a three episode arc because they had already numbered the other ones and so they had to do it this way and what geez what are we going to do in the first movie well he'll be a little kid well it's not very interesting
5: you know one of the things about this movie that that star wars has that this movie doesn't is the backstory tell me anything about qui-gon that happened before (laughs) the first scene he had a beard he grew a beard anything he yeah he he grew
1: a beard
6: he
4: grew his he grew
6: his uh long he built a lightsaber he was stuck with (laughs) obi-wan against his will
5: there is yeah, you know what the backstory is? The backstory is the crawl Trade about disputes, uh, yes. the Trade Federation dispute. The worst, worst crawl
4: uh, ever. Yeah, y- you know you're in for a treat when the word taxation appears in the first paragraph <laughs> of the opening scroll. and then And then shipping turns up in the second paragraph.
5: The first 20 seconds of this movie are perfect. It's got the Lucasfilm logo. It's got the the beginning of the music, and it's got Star Wars fading into a starfield, and that it's all
2: downhill from there. Right, right up to the point where you see the fa- Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Oh, okay, we're good, yeah. and then it's just downhill. No, the thing for me that I really gave me the well, the, the, the hopes Phantom Menace sucks. as a title. G- Going, I I agree with that, but we've all we've all come to terms with that to a certain extent. <laughs> but for me, it was the moment um, I really loved the teaser yes. poster they first put out, which has the Anakin with Anakin the, the shader shadow. silhouette, and I'm like, oh yeah. That's kind of subtle. That's kind of cool. I like that idea. Like that seems cool. Let's go with that. What's that going to be about? That that is not in the movie. That's not
0: even really addressed. It's a
4: final bit of subtlety.
0: This this movie is sure to be a nuance. Where th- where yeah. is yeah?
1: Where is this kid? Where's the darkness in this kid at all? He's angry.
2: He misses his mom.
1: Well, he
0: does say you pee a lot, which really just gets <laughs> gets to the bottom of your soul and scrapes it out. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> before before we we talk
1: about the the excellent excellent opening plot. statements yes. concluded. <laughs> thank goodness we got that out of the way. uh i wanted bef- I, I i wanted to talk about anticipation for a minute just to explore this with everybody. um this movie was so incredibly hyped. um i mean to the point where i remember very distinctly the 60 minutes interview with with george lucas. i don't remember if you i don't know if you guys remember that, but that where where steve croft or somebody like breathlessly followed him around on the set and and Tunisia and, and things like that and I mean literally people were saying this is going to be one of the greatest movies ever oh my god Star Wars is back and now they've got all this new technology and it's going to be so great oh my god it's going to be so amazing like amazing amazing like I remember articles saying it's going to be up for best picture I kid you not so so uh, I'm curious what you, what you guys all yeah. have in terms of your memory of uh,
2: anticipating this movie maybe it was jinxed I can tell you, I mean, I remember reading about it I was in Rochester, which is where my, my mom's family lives for like Christmas or something. And I remember buying a copy of the, like, there was a Star Wars magazine, like a fan magazine or something at like a science fiction bookshop. And I remember opening it up and reading the casting information because I remember seeing Natalie Portman was casted. I didn't really know who she was at that point because that was what, like 1997 probably? Oh, Dan.
0: so young. He was 12
2: years old.
1: I was 17. Thank you very much. Dan, can you, can you imagine life before you know who
2: <laughs> Natalie Portman was? She'd been in the professional. Well, I hadn't seen the professional because I was only seven. No, that is that is a frightening time. You know, for there me. are
4: kids born today that don't that they'll never know a world without Natalie Portman. And I it say that is that weird.
2: I mean, that's awesome. I kind of envy them. Um, but I remember reading about it and thinking like, oh, you know, I, I the thing for me that resonated the most was talking to one of my cousins who's who's a bit older than me, and her, her story of remembering. She thought she was gonna die before Return of the Jedi came out. She's like, because she was like a teenager when when Empire came out, and she was like, "Oh my God, Han Solo's stuck in carbonite, and what's gonna happen, and everything." And like, and I just remember thinking, like, I, you know, I will never see a Star Wars movie that comes out again in my lifetime because th- it's done, it's over. You know, the best I could hope for was reading those Timothy Zahn books and the the books that came after them. And believe me, I read all of them. Um, and so the idea that there would be new movies in my lifetime, I mean. I had seen the re-releases, and at that time, because, you know, 97 was around the time that they re-released the original trilogy with the the special editions, and at that time, being a untutored, unwise 17-year-old, I thought, this is pretty cool. Some of these effects are kind of cool. And so I still had that hope, and I think I, you know, I managed to maintain it and and ride that wave right up until about... Actually, you know what? It went through the first showing, I gotta admit, because my story about this is that I went to a midnight showing with a bunch of friends... um, and we then went out afterwards at like 2, 3 mm. o'clock in the morning and spent an hour talking about mm. the movie and dissecting it. And then slept for like two hours and then got up and then went back to the movie theater and saw it again. <laughs> and it must have taken at least, you know, I don't know, a week or two before it's really started to set in. Because like you kind of had the suspicions after watching it like, huh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe that wasn't so good, but there was a sort of Stockholm Syndrome that kicked in. It was like, no, it's Star Wars. It's got to be good. We're probably just understanding it
5: wrong.
6: You'd already talked yourself into liking all those books. I
2: I like some of those books. Aww. Mm -hmm.
5: You're you're fundamentally broken in some way, so why not just transfer that to the movie? (laughs)
6: Thanks. I remember I didn't see it until the Monday after it came out, and by that point, every person I work with or know had seen it at least once, and most of them two or three times. You couldn't help it. The wave of excitement just pushed everybody into it.
0: Yeah, I I see it as like a a continuous a continuous wait from the end of Jedi. Like I I I picture that as like there's a little part of my brain that is waiting online. Like gets out of Jedi and goes, boy, I you know, and then says, okay, well, you sit here (laughs) and get in line, and then and then how many years later was it? I don't know. It was a lot of years later. Like the same with the re release of you know uh, the original trilogy. Into theaters, even though they were the special editions and everything like that, uh I was online to to be first in line to watch those. Like that's you know that that excitement, that that marketing campaign of re-releasing the originals with the special editions, despite like the new effects which I didn't like. I was really anti the new effects after I saw them and everything. But it didn't matter. I could see Star Wars in a the movie theater again, and, and the last time I had done that was you know it was Jedi, and so it was just this incredible multi-year long wait. Like this is what my life had been leading up to. It was like. You're a kid. You see Star Wars, and then you wait and wait and wait and wait and wait, and eventually, finally, this thing comes. And when I when I put this damn movie in and watched it, and like the uh, the fanfare came up and the scroll and everything, I had it was like it was like seeing movies of a car accident after being in a car accident. I had that <gasps> right. Like, like, that feeling, because I knew how, you have no idea how excited I was, and it all came back to me. It was like, PTSD is like, I was I was the most amped up I've ever been in a movie theater. More amped up than I was when I saw the original trilogy, because then, you know, you're a kid, you're like, oh, what do you know? Maybe the beginning of Jedi was a little bit close to this craze. But I was like, this is it. Like, I've been waiting years. my whole life for this thing. And, yeah, and it's just, I, I like... It brought me back to that moment like that moment when the, the car hits you you know you're like <gasps> oh, no don't you know what's gonna oh, it, it, i didn't and the thing is i didn't think it would affect me in that way like reseeing the movie like i thought i had moved on and been past it or whatever but now it's like because the, you know that fanfare and that and that lucasfilm thing like i've seen the original trilogy <laughs> a, a million times on you know on on dvd and everything doesn't have the same effect like it's just that, that this was oh don't you remember that time and i believe i i got to, to get tickets i was i was up all night and slept outside for it like it was it was a big thing, and this that, I'm gonna hope that in my life this will be the biggest letdown I've ever had in my entire life. Was Star Wars Episode One? If,
5: Wait till your children grow up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that, that's that's a, good, a good possibility. But for now, I'm gonna have to, oh, especially geez. like. In, in, in,
5: I'm speaking for my parents uh,
0: in terms of like art. You know what art has what what thing having to do with entertainment and art has disappointed you most in life? So I feel like this is gonna be the champion forever.
1: Post prequel disappointment disorder is the name of what you're feeling, uh. John.
3: Yeah, it's episode one was such a weird thing for me because I was I was young enough that I must have seen it at least seven or eight times in theaters before I actually stepped back and went wait a second, <laughs> and I will also say that seven or eight times was within the first weekend, like it mm-hmm. was. You know, That's a lot you're of talking pod racing a... laps. It's a lot of pod racing laps. Oh, my God. Now that is pod (laughs) racing. Oh. No, it's funny, though, because the first, you know, the earliest thing that I can remember talking to people about on the Internet was Star Wars. You know, the first BBS posts I ever made and the first pen pal letters I sent over, like, AOL were about the Star Wars films. And... Having them get re-released originally, the original films, get re-released in theaters in 97 was a dream come true for me and my best friend Leah because we were complete nuts. Like we were taking cardboard uh, boxes and building X-wings out of them because we were such like crazy, crazy Star Wars nuts. So – for, for me to kind of be like, not all, all right, so the original films didn't come out during my lifetime, but they're going to be new Star Wars movies, and these are going to be my Star Wars movies, <laughs> and they're going to be so oh. great. And, you know, wah, so I wah. like... Yeah. Aren't you lucky? I was in middle school. I know, it's embarrassing. I was in middle school, and I did not go to the midnight showing for this one because I think I was like 12 or 13. Um, but I did, my, my father got me out of school for the very first daytime showing he bought me a lightsaber like a new fancy lightsaber that had noises and we went to the theater and i like waited in a super long line and you know you just you get so hyped up and you get so excited and you're like star wars star wars star wars star wars Star wars. and then you sit and you watch it and you're Sad trombone. Yeah, well, it's it, it's weird. It's kind of a shock, right? Like, well, and you're seeing this, this, it's this got the music, good, and I it's guess. got
1: Tatooine, and it's got ships that are familiar, and it's got Jedi, and it's a lightsaber battle for the first time in how long? And all of the trappings, you're like, wow, it is. it's Star Wars. It's got all the stuff that Star Wars has in it. And 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 so the, you know and and we'd never seen more of that. I mean, there, there's that just moment of I can't believe I'm watching a new Star Wars movie. That 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 was a powerful moment. Even if in hindsight, like Dan said, you you were like, huh, taxation, trade disputes, you know, all the other litany of things. It was like, but there was still like lightsaber battles and sith lords and jedi yeah, and there,
2: there wow. was enough there was enough feeding that part of you that you could stay amped for a little while just on the residual buzz from it until your until your conscious intellectual brain
4: starts taking over again how long did that take incidentally
3: it took me the first weekend because i was i was convinced that i had to watch it again like i'm, I'm like i must have missed something i must be too young for some of these references yeah i didn't get it right it's me no you totally you blame it you're like it's me not you what's going on
5: it's 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 star wars made by ironically somebody who doesn't understand what's good about star it wars. is
1: <laughs> it, you're absolutely you're absolutely right i mean one of the things i wanted yeah. to talk about um and it came up on twitter when we were all watching this so many of us watched this on sunday and we're we're tweeting because you got to let the pain out somewhere so use twitter for that and um somebody uh made the point about um You know, it's a movie for kids, and kids like it, and just like the originals were for kids, and now we're all adults, and we have hazy. Watercolored, but, but, but what do we know about kids,
0: Jason? Well, kids have bad taste. <laughs> They're
1: all idiots. You got it. <laughs> but here's the thing is, good kids' movies are appreciated also by adults. And when I look at these movies, I, and I think about George Lucas saying, hey, the kids love them, I made them for kids. I look at it and I think, you missed the point of why the old movies worked, because they weren't pandering to kids. Kids loved them, but
4: so did their parents, and so did 20-year-olds. They, how, whatever he says, they weren't kids' movies. They were aimed at adults, and they had elements that kids enjoyed but they were not four kids there were not six poop jokes the
3: second movie is definitely not a kids movie yeah there's a
4: difference between
2: kids movies and being sophomoric i mean they had they had Mm a a, they had a childlike level of sophistication
0: (laughs) children's material is more sophisticated than this movie like like if you want to look at this in in the moving pieces in this movie and i was shocked by this rewatching it like i went into it thinking surely there'll be some aspects of this movie that are competently done like they won't be parts that matter, and it won't save the movie. But surely, I'll go in and say, you know what, that part of the movie was reasonable filmmaking. But there's just that nothing was like just basic. Like, I mean, maybe we'll go into this in more detail. When we get a certain section, but like it just. Execution-wise, Sesame Street is better. Any children's program made things for infants are better. In terms of execution, not saying like material, like it's, you know, only babies can look at this, but it's like there's a certain level of execution that you bring to whatever it is that you're doing. No matter what the script is, no matter what anything is, you know, just simply execute and do a good job on what you're doing. And this, Well, well, okay, let's talk
6: about that, though. The sound of the movie. The score is excellent. The sound effects are excellent. okay. Before
5: we before we get into the uh, Oscars that are awarded, like before the Oscar <laughs> show starts, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen this movie in fourteen years, and I was astonished at how bad the writing and acting were across yeah. the oh, absolutely. board.
3: Absolutely, don't, oh, don't for forget the, no, the directing. The <laughs> problem with this movie is that it is a movie with no soul. It is a music. It is a movie that has some beautiful music, some beautiful sound effects, some beautiful visual yes. effects, but ultimately the failure is on the writer and the director both Who of them happen to be yeah both they happen to be George Lucas but it's so obvious especially if you watch the prequels hand in hand with the original trilogy, you look at the banter between characters, you look at the fleshed, you know, the the backgrounds of characters,
5: even just their tone of voice. There is almost, yes. hardly a line in this movie that's not delivered in a flat monotone.
0: Yeah, I, I was thinking back to our radio play episode when I was watching this and I'm What's like that. <laughs> <laughs> Ren would not let us get away with line readings like this. And we are not actors, yeah. and we have a budget of zero dollars. And yet, I was thinking particularly of the many the many places in the script where I imagine there's an M-dash after someone's dialogue and another person interrupts them. And there, there were a couple yes. of those in our radio <laughs> yeah. play script. They, and they it's, not, it's not they rocket stop. science. Stop. Stop. It's yeah. hilarious. Is it, is it rocket science to do those right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't think you need no. to be. And
4: I, <laughs> well, there's two possibilities. Either Lucas didn't care, or he thought the readings were just, just dandy. <laughs> yeah and my best yeah. guess is that he just he doesn't know how people actually talk. And, and sometimes, they're good, talk and sometimes they're good and
0: sometimes they're good actors. Like Natalie Portman has lines and you know she's a good actor, but she does a reading where she's just like she just came out of her trailer and she just woke up or something from a nap and she reads a line and it's terrible and that's the one they go with.
1: I actually think it's worse than that John. My so so I watched this with my kids and and, and they had some interesting observations as I always do. You know Darth Vader's office is really weird. <laughs> I've got some of those. They're they're gems. They're gems. Just wait. But um my wife Came in, she was doing something, and she walks in, she's like, oh, <laughs> this, huh? I'm like, yeah. And, but she had an observation, because it was uh, some scenes with Natalie Portman. And she said, it seems to me, because knowing that she's a good actress, it seems to me like she was told to be flat. That she was actually instructed, yes. don't yeah. emote, be boring. And it's baffling why you would do that, other than to maybe get... get Closer to the, the the flatness of the the little boy you're acting against, because otherwise you'll blow him out of the water.
4: But it's amazing. Well, in a sense, though, you got to be glad that she did go that route because that is her one and only character trait. If you were to ask what what do you know about Queen Amidala, that's the one thing you would say. Uh, she's monotone. She's not always monotone though. She's more monotone as the queen yes. than she is as
6: the handmaiden. That's because she's a choice. Vulcan.
1: Clearly.
3: Well, yeah. They they modulate her voice
1: you talk about the characters even if you just went with the words on the page if Natalie Portman was able to give it you know a good reading and and show some feeling even with nothing else you would get the sense that there might be a human being there but even that is not there. Like, it's not just that the dialogue doesn't let you know anything about who she is. It's that anything that a, a human might insert to make it seem more like a an extra dimension is bled away. And it's just, no, 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 just read it flat. Just be as dull and flat as possible. Because you're not an interesting character. You're not the parent of characters that people care about or anything down the road. You're not, no, 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 be boring.
5: And it's everybody. It's just Natalie
6: Portman. It's everybody. Yeah, we've seen her act, so it's weird. The
3: interesting thing that I noticed while rewatching this movie the latest time, and I was looking for it this time, um, everybody. There's a there's a thing in directing, right? Where when you're starting out as a director, the one thing that you are told is try and avoid giving your actors line readings when you can. Obviously, sometimes it needs to happen, but for the majority of the time. You shouldn't give your actors line readings. You should let them try and find it and then tweak individual words, individual sentences, whatever needs tweaking. When you watch this movie, picture it all in George Lucas's voice and all of a sudden everything makes complete (laughs) sense in terms of the directing choices. Basically what happened, at least from my perspective, is that every single actor was given repeated line readings. Jake Lloyd, a lot of his dialogue is dubbed. Like, I mean, it's still the it's still him, but they basically went and did an ADR session and had had him basically they just dropped in pieces of lines over the footage that they had already done. And a lot of this is just poor, unfortunately, poor directing on Lucas's part. It's not even like there is there is a smidgen of good actor in Jake Lloyd. I am not afraid to say that, Mm. Uh, but he the way he was directed on this set is pitiful. The way that all of the actors were directed on this set is completely horrifying. They make Liam Neeson into a completely boring character. Yeah, he's
6: your stock stock wise, you know, oh he's so wise, he's a wise figure. Oh I disagree. I've I've projected a whole backstory and inner life for Qui Gon. In my attempt to make this movie make sense, but should should you have had Were to do you all of that work? is not
4: heavily? Isn't it, oh, isn't it kind of up to the filmmaker to do the heavy lifting on that for you instead of sure? Making you if you do want it? to do, if you want it easy on you, oh,
6: yeah. I guess I'm just yeah. too lazy.
4: That's why I
1: viewed him as being kind of that stock mentor figure. Is that then I had a backstory that I could take off the shelf for him?
0: Well, you you said it before. Like, why does Qui Gon exist? Why is he a character in this movie? It sure as heck
6: isn't because he's so incredibly interesting that he just has a story that no, had to be told and a character so he that can had to be, be
2: murdered. Seen.
6: <laughs> I propose that the entire movie is about the relationship between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, and Anakin is exactly as important as Jar Jar.
2: Well, that may be true, but that's still (laughs) mis-executed.
0: Yeah, I know. Their relationship is not good either. (laughs) Obi-Wan
6: sits sits in the ship.
3: Obi-Wan needs to be the center of these trilogies, and he is not. Absolutely, because the, the problem
2: is, I mean, yes, you can make a movie with a character, with a protagonist, who is unlikable and essentially, you know, eventually evil. You can do that. I don't know if you can make this kind of Star Wars epic adventure doing that, because I think that is, that strikes me as divergent. But if you have a character like Obi Wan, who is, for most intents and purposes, a good character, if flawed, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a flaw. I think the problem is you're asked eventually to identify with a guy who goes and like murders children, right? Like, that's going to be a hard sell, especially for a Star Wars movie, which is supposed to be kind of an adventure movie, right? So I think that's part of the miss on this is that, you know, we are looking through the, lo- the wrong lens. And it doesn't even make sense for us to look through the lens of Anakin because we
4: don't see him for the first half hour of this movie.
3: We're not even looking through the ends. Right.
4: Well, that's I think the Plinkett reviews really hit the nail on the head with this one in that there really is no protagonist in this film. Yeah. yeah, I mean the, the 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 ostensibly the character who should be the protagonist is Obi Wan, but he's relegated to the background for the first half. Uh, Anakin doesn't even exist until the yeah, half. O-
0: Obi Wan doesn't get tapped until it's time for him to fight with lightsabers yeah. at the end. The rest of the movie, he might as well yeah, not. He's be on there.
4: the
1: ship,
3: and even then, he's sitting out like a. He sad sits on sack. the
0: ship. He's like got his feet up and is watching <laughs> TV on the ship. Yeah, and and like the few scenes he does has he's he's such an unlikable jerk. in the few scenes he does has, oh, what you pick up another pathetic life for me? That got me. Not, funny. I did not remember.
2: I did not remember how much the the Jedi's are. Oh, dead. <laughs> total jerks! <laughs> oh, total so much jerks. I mean, they got like the whole thing with I, okay, Jar Jar Binks is an awful character. We can all agree with that, but man, Qui Gon him, treats him like a piece of crap. <laughs>
5: like Qui Gon cheats at everything.
2: Oh my god! Like it's just it's these are our moral guardians. No wonder the Republic fell into disarray. <laughs> and then he steals a child
0: from his mother. Yeah, he doesn't make too much of an effort to save the mother. He's like, I can't I, get that I, one
4: I'm not here out. to uh, rescue slaves. He actually cheats to make sure he doesn't save her. Yeah, we're not we're not here to free slaves. Oh just this one just this one and and then he tells the mom I'll
5: watch out for him. And the first thing he does is take him into an invasion.
2: <laughs> Stand over there. That, that there
0: is absolutely no reason for him to be it.
2: He also tells Anakin, I tried to save your mom. And it's like, yeah, I'm yeah. very hard, though. Like, I, I kind of tried.
0: Nah, not really. You can make that work if you decide, like, oh, we're going to show the Jedi's are arrogant and out of touch. But that was so not communicated no, they're in the just movie.
2: offhandedly jerks.
0: That's an example you have to, like, invent yourself. You can say, well, he could be saying the Jedi were decadent and arrogant or whatever. But, like, it's so not delivered in the movie. Like, you were then manufacturing your own movie. It was just, it's just... It's just a mis a misfire that you're looking for some reason for like, maybe that's what they were getting at. But no, it's just it's just oh, lazy and
6: bad. Oh, I don't think this is what they were getting at, but I have developed my own thesis <laughs> on what the movie <laughs> could be about. I have no illusion that it's on purpose. Yeah. Oh no, you're you're right. You're you're right. I
1: this is a movie that makes us dream. It's a movie that makes us dream and imagine a better movie. <laughs>
0: I have some, uh, some particular, speaking of line readings, I have a couple of particular lines because like we're talking about, you know, bad readings of dialogue. But then if you look at what's actually on the page, there are some, <laughs> some spectacular things in here. Like uh, they should use this, this script in script writing courses to explain like I what not, not to do, to, to illustrate principles. Like, uh, all right. So we, a couple lines, I wrote line, the lines down verbatim because I just could not believe these, were, these are in a movie. All uh, right. Early on, Obi-Wan says, if they find us, they will crush us into tiny pieces and blast us into oblivion. I think a five-year-old could write a better line than that.
3: Also, it's badly rhythm. You know, the, the rhythm of that sentence is awful. The fact is, you can't say that.
0: It's just, it's just, uh, it's just terrible. You know, we got used in, Big Doo to doo-doo this time. Whatever. Let's just skip those. Let's say fine. Give we'll give Jar Jar an entire pass and just look at other things. Like we should not have made this bargain. Text and subtext. Nope. It's all text in this movie. It is all yeah. text. There is no subtext. People just say things that they're feeling. You know, I do not agree with the Jedi on this. You must trust my judgment. That's it. That's what you got here. It's like it, they are writing. They are writing character motivations out loud. That's all. Well, that's all I they're don't doing. Approve. You know. Right.
2: Yeah, I mean there's but, also there's also no pretty much no humor in this movie. Definitely no well executed humor, there, there but very are glimmers of the very of very little attempted do. at least dialogue humor. Yeah. There's attempted at physical there's, comedy. There's, there's attempts at physical jog, comedy jog. and slapstick
3: parts are showing
2: but like there's very little in the way of wordplay or any sort of banter as ren was saying like there's not much attempted in that i mean like the closest thing i can think of is there's always a bigger fish which in and of itself is really a
1: terrible actually actually the
2: another pathetic creature line from
1: obi-wan i think is about the the funniest thing yeah but but that
0: reveals him as to be a jerk yeah, I mean it doesn't it doesn't work, but you're looking. For oh, anything, that little like...
2: slave boy we just rec- you know rescued. What a pathetic creature! <laughs> Rescue slash stole. Why?
6: I think the Padres announcers are supposed yeah. to be funny. Oh yes. god, jeez. Oh, yeah, maybe. To... I mean, they hired Greg, Greg Proops. Proops.
2: That's right. Right. Yeah. I mean, because what we needed was a sports announcer in
4: Star Wars. True. Greg Proops is Zaphod Beeblebrox in the Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> But you don't need funny dialogue when you've got the Stooge bots
0: and uh, yeah. Jar Jar, and and so no humans in this movie talk like humans. Obviously, like they just they just speak out character motivations and like like bullet points. If you were to do an outline,
1: at last we will have our revenge for what? Yeah, that's my least favorite line. What is it?
2: revenge for what? For yeah, they made him for wear his, that face the, paint. be in jerks, <laughs> and now we can be jerks instead i kind of want to root for the sith now <laughs> jedi jedi needs to get tossed man
3: they are a little bit jerky the one i the line i hate the most is actually anakin's are you an angel oh my god, <laughs> oh my god. like that was <laughs> foreshadowing <laughs> of, of the next seriously if love i'd scenes.
2: known i could pick up natalie portman with that line
5: <laughs> <laughs> the the line that that struck out to me and, and it is a jar jar line and i apologize because that's a real <laughs> low bar but it's squeeze me Oh yeah. He's quoting yeah. Wayne's yeah, yeah. World.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait, let's be clear. Wayne's World is actually a great movie, but, but, <laughs> but again, yes, and he doesn't say baking powder, so it he didn't even yeah. get the whole <laughs> Well, I, I, and to speak for the jar jar thing again, I know this is a low bar, but the thing for me is even if you take away the ridiculous part of the line readings, a lot of his dialogue just
4: doesn't make any oh. sense.
2: It's incomprehensible.
4: Well, see, this is this is the problem that I have with with when it comes to line readings and and bad writing but most of the line readings is that uh, not just the flat readings but the fact that the the people that are responsible for all the exposition and explaining the whole trade federation plot line you can't understand a word that they say i are mean, well, very accent,
5: racist <laughs> apart from
4: potentially being you know potentially being uh, offensive to a whole lot of people is you oh, can't good understand friends,
0: he's a boss is i kept thinking why don't they subtitle these and guys? you can't
4: understand a third of what the gungans like, say either. like
0: they they subtitled Watto, which I think is why uh, whoever it was was the Watto fan. Before I was it Ren was saying that Watto was, you know, the only Greek character because he subtitled and you get the subtitle effect at the very least. Why not subtitle the whole Trade Federation so we well, spared and, that awful yeah. accent and that terrible lip? I, I, yeah, it was it was
2: hard for me to realize because I remember people talking about it at the time, like you know the the racist elements and potentially like, and I remember thinking again there was the whole Stockholm syndrome. Like, no, it's. It's Star Wars. Star Wars wouldn't be yeah. racist, right? Like, no, no. And then watching it this time was just like it was so so, so I, painful, just because it was so it was on unne- Like John saying, it's unnecessary. Why? Why would you do that?
0: Because Wado got subtitles. So did so does Jabba. I,
2: I, I had a, a couple moments where I thought with the
1: Trade Federation, I thought you know these guys would be much more effective if they were just people and they just yeah. spoke in regular voices. And they were, you know, bad guys. Yeah, they were not
0: cool looking. They were not interesting. There was, you know... A lot of different bother? hats. There hats. The, the hats were hats. The hats were not good looking.
6: The name Newt Gunray is pretty cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, and of course, they did the subtitle. I mean, and we haven't really touched on this, but the I believe the Phantom Edit, which is the, you know, the mysterious uh, re-edit of this, does have all those scenes subtitled. They basically just dub in nonsense and then subtitle them with totally new sure. you know totally new lines of dialogue period it turns out you can fix a lot of well them yeah that but, but
0: once you get rid of like once you get rid of their bad line readings you're still left with the bad lines which like we talk about you know the exposition radio network they are they are there's so many things in this movie it's time for the exposition droid to speak up like everyone <laughs> is just speaking exposition <laughs> for no reason what you, he has to complete two more circuits thank you exposition yes. right i mean like you know Let me explain the motivations of all the characters and what's happening in this interminable scene in which we will just be sitting in chairs and talking, which, as the Red Letter Media things point out, is a big theme of the prequels. People sitting still and talking about the most boring things you could ever possibly imagine, while the camera, also stationary, shoots them one at a time. And you just want to kill yourself.
1: Should I really uh, blast through the plot here and let you stop me? Along the way, because I I took notes. Damn it! <laughs> this is going to be three I know, hours. I know. Left. I know. I'll, I'll I'll try to be quick, but uh, but I want to give everybody a, a chance to to jump in with sp- specifics, because I know otherwise we're going to jump around even more and we're going to miss some stuff. And we we can't leave a stone unturned. We need to smash everything down and and
0: and, and make it. <laughs> it's all, all stone, Jason. Crush it to oblivion. All the only thing that can be left is gray ash to use the theme of the previous episode. all right. so so we talked we talked about the opening
1: credits, which involve taxation and trade routes, and which shipping. is exactly the kind of uh, reuniting with the feelings that I had in childhood <laughs> that I expected. Also, trade
6: routes makes no sense because everybody goes through hyperspace. Don't ever think it. okay.
2: Well, is the Kessel Run a trade route? How is the Trade Federation a member of the Republic? And why is there a senator from the Trade Federation? Yeah, that makes no sense to me. Right? Also, I am amused that there's a Federation in this, because is that a
1: shot across the bow at Star Trek? (laughs) Is that what that is? Yeah, they're invading that planet. It's a a violation of the Prime Directive. Prime Directive. What is wrong with them? Uh, The bad accents and puppet heads, like I said, I think is a mistake. Totally unnecessary. Um, And then, uh, so the droids. Okay, so there are these droids. They are... It, this is another issue that I had is that they are these dumb. They're <laughs> dumb. They're jokers. They're 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 a, they're a joke. Like we in in they're they're and they've got guns and they're like the army, but they're just a joke that they, they are never something that you could take seriously. Right. Which is I, I think one of the kind of uh, kitty movie tropes of of this movie is that is that uh, oh the kids love them and my kids thought they were funny because they're At, they enemies, that, enemies and all that, that are that. goofy
0: and not threatening.
1: Right. But they're not at all threatening. They're not competent. And and actually, they're, they're on apparently the not
4: networked because they have to talk amongst themselves to discuss tactics. But they, are, they are networked
5: to the control <laughs> ship. Yeah. Also, my Mac has a better voice synthesizer. <laughs>
2: why would you have this if, you know, why have an army entirely peopled out of robots that you can control 100% if they're incompetent and to have senses of humor? Like there's no logic to that there's a scene where the trade federation guys radio down to the
1: planet to talk to their leaders and i'm thinking okay they're talking to the leaders and it's these stupid droids who are the leaders apparently like they they're the soldiers and they're the leaders and and i thought again You know, if you put a few, like, trade federation generals or something down on the planet who are menacing, you could almost get away with the droids being goofy. But when when the droids are in charge, too, it's like, who are these? That's all right. They had no one to fight
0: because that planet was empty.
1: Yeah, yes. There was nobody on the planet. Everybody was hiding under a table. I I was bothered
6: by how long it takes the droids to make up their minds about anything. When Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan bust out of the fog-filled room... The robots yeah. just stand there with laser guns waiting to get what? killed. And then there's that scene later on where the robot actually specifically takes time to make up his mind. He goes, uh, well, I, uh, you're
4: under arrest. No, that's, he's, he's using his smart ass algorithm there. There's like, yeah, a,
6: that was, that was a comedy.
0: That was an attempt at comedy. I know it's hard to quote, tell, but that's, quote what, that's what they were going for there. Those are All the right.
4: jokes. It,
1: and it's actually even more of a contrast because there are those battle droids that roll around and shoot things and have they're, shields they're kind of that are scary. scary. Those yeah, are scary. Really they're scary, like scary and, and capable. And, uh, and yet they're mixed in with these ridiculous comic relief. Yeah, why not have an army of those? Yeah. They,
0: they, 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 they went down the wrong tech tree and they ended up with millions of these stupid <laughs> other droids. What are we going to do with the...
5: Somebody bought somebody a lunch, so they went with the wrong vendor. Um, the, the There is some... I hesitate to say this. It's hard to even form
2: the words. There's some cool stuff in the first five minutes with the Jedi. You know, like, they've got their lightsabers out. No. They're, like, bouncing. I See, I mm. like some of that stuff. But this, like, that's I, the problem. I mean,
5: the lightsabers come out instantly. John's talked about this before. Lightsabers used to be something exotic and cool and mysterious. And here they're just waving it around, like, Exhibitionists.
0: It's like it's like Jaws. I don't know if I made the exact same analogy before, but it's like the shark and jaws. Uh, they were originally lightsabers were not all over the place for technical reasons. The same reason you didn't see the shark and jaws, because for technical reasons stupid shark wouldn't work, so you had to not show it, and that turned out to be the correct, the better artistic choice. Here now we don't have the problem. The shark works all the time, lightsabers yeah. can be everywhere, and it, it's the movie's worse for it.
2: And I did have this point when watching it was the like the thing that got me was there's a part where they're you know they're they're using lightsabers, whatever, and then I think Obi-Wan reaches over and, like, you know, waves his hand and the droids fall down. It's like, if you can do that, why would you even pull out the lightsaber? Just start throwing Damn. droids around. Like, you're done. These guys are clearly not, not able to hold up to that.
5: They treat the lightsabers like a light show, too. They swing them around. You know, they don't just put it away. They don't just turn it off. They've got to spin it three times and then put it back on the belt. They're, yeah, yeah, they're, they're hot it. They're this is
1: again why the Jedi had to fall because they were corrupt and <laughs> jerks and they hot dogged too, too it with many fancy lightsabers uh, lightsaber and they moves. had really fabulous they didn't know flair. What
2: they
3: had
1: no, not until it was gone. And then, and then we see because we all grew up with the original movies thinking that they were a scarce resource. It turns out that when there were lots of Jedi and lots of lightsabers, not so cool. They're kind of lame. Expendable. It, it's better. To, to, just a little Jedi goes a long way. Is what well, the I'm the saying.
4: fact of there being so many Jedis kind of leads to something that comes up a little bit later in the film, but when. They mentioned that uh, Anakin could potentially be the the prophecy that, that was supposed to bring balance, balance. to the Force. Yeah, guys Did nobody you're notice, the notice up. that the Jedi are thriving <laughs> and the Sith have long since disappeared? So the <laughs> only possible meaning of balance, restoring balance, means the resurgence of the dark side? That,
0: that, that, that brings up another point here. of like the, the whole idea of a prophecy does not seem Star Wars to
4: me. Oh, yeah, that's dumb. that's dumb in itself. You're right.
0: Like that whole concept that there's, there's yeah. a chosen one, that there's a prophecy, that, that that does not... Because Luke was not the chosen one there's no prophecy about Lufus who's proves prophesizing what like well, that does and, not and the fit. prophecy
2: doesn't make sense either because even if he ultimately brings balance to the force by killing you know the emperor there's still you know one good Jedi left so it's gonna yeah, get all no, out of whack yeah, again the, the,
0: the whole idea of balance is like it's like the television thing with like equal time you know because of the airwaves are public <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense it's it's nonsensical and prophecies don't belong in Star equal Wars equal so.
2: time for Sith and Jedi
1: political events <laughs> right. okay like,
0: the, that's the appropriate balance we want half murder and half not murder that is the appropriate <laughs> yeah. balance
1: so so. so Episode one is the Republican response is what you're saying.
5: And they went. They went scientific. I mean, they tried to explain away the Force uh, with midichlorians, you know, microscopic animals that live in our blood. But then they go right back to they help the us hear the Force, which is supernatural.
1: Why? Why? Also, can I say why the virgin birth thing? That's
2: <laughs> so so at a certain sense. point, you're just so like so. Well, because he couldn't come up with anybody that would be interesting enough to have as the father.
1: Like yeah, that's okay, what not not is. as interesting
0: as the characters that are in. There I know,
2: now. but now now the
1: Force is 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 full of Christians symbolism isn't that yeah. strange
5: you people at home getting all this
6: we already know that george lucas is obsessed with joseph campbell's mythic story st- structure of course he's gonna put a virgin birth in if he can
0: but like but they don't even bother doing it they have there is literally one line for the for the quote-unquote virgin birth well, but you can have an absentee father but it
5: turns out that like it wasn't a disney know. movie until recently
2: but <laughs> he was just that he was just a guy who like you know oh yeah he left us you know like that
0: would make more sense like that no but that's the only way you could read it as an adult if some other person told you that you'd say this woman is in denial because some man knocked her up and left that's I mean that's what you would you would oh, abs- like oh. absolutely but it doesn't it doesn't it-
4: or, 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 simply enough, he could just have been a slave that was killed as part of, you know, sure. a, a, a poor master, and then that would explain some of Anakin's hatred for, you know, the slaves. No, but that life. wouldn't
2: explain why he's so special.
4: Which, frankly, doesn't seem that bad in its Tatooine state. Yeah, he's pretty happy to be a
0: slave in the beginning. It's only when he comes back as a moody teen, he's like, you know what? Slavery sucks.
4: He's a slave.
6: (laughs) He has plenty of free time. He has his own house. He has time to build a robot with artificial intelligence
4: that speaks every language and the coolest pod racer in the world. He has enough money to get the parts to make that robot.
0: Yeah, and he has like three different plastic highlight sticks hanging in his room. I can't... Like the props in this movie were just... They just went to Walmart and got them.
4: It's safe to say that
1: Anakin and his mom... Are not you know showing off the darkest side of slavery.
6: <laughs> Building a pod racer is like having your own Formula One racer.
5: For for a slave boy, he has
6: awfully silky hair, and his mother doesn't do anything as a slave. She just stays home and keeps house for him. Uh,
0: well, she does. She does. Later in the movie, she gets to have lines that do not look like uh, bullet points. Suddenly, she becomes a fortune cookie late in the movie. You know, when she goes into her, her for, fortune cookie line reading, where like she says, "You have given hope to those who have none." The path, this path has been placed before you, you know, and we can't stop it anymore that we can stop the setting of the sun. It's like, mom, when did you become a fortune cookie? Because yeah, these my, are the worst.
2: I'm sorry. The <sighs> best one that she delivers to my mind is still the, he was meant to help you. <laughs> like, because if you, if you watch that in context of the scene, it doesn't actually make any sense like it's like she's trying to get rid of him at that point like yeah yeah he's here to help you yeah he was meant to help you you should take him
1: away yeah
0: you can have my son strangers who have come into my house please take take my son and risk his life and it just comes oh. out, it comes out of nowhere oh,
1: she's trying to get him out of his horrible life of slavery which involves him having lots of time for hobbies. No.
0: I I mean, there are so many moving parts in this movie. Like, to have a movie with this many actual characters in it is very difficult to do. Like, you can't... There's not enough time in a two-hour running time movie to have this many characters and make them that interesting. So you kind of have to, like, go usual suspects and have a couple of interesting character traits and a few good interactions and use your one or two lines sparingly to make an ensemble cast-type thing. But that is a way higher degree of difficulty than... I mean, this guy couldn't shoot a serial commercial or write a serial commercial, for that matter, competently. There's no way you can have all these characters and have all, all of them be characters and they're not
1: honeycomb's big yeah 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 it's not small
0: no 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 that's that's too much too much emoting that's too much Can emoting yeah. yeah
6: see i i rest my case yeah faster and more intense it, it's either monotone or really jar jar and over the top
5: honeycomb is big yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's not small too much no flatten it out You
2: sound too sad too sad
1: So I asked my son about Jar Jar, my eight-year-old son. Because, you know, this is that argument again. We all hate Jar Jar. Oh, Jar Jar is so bad. Let me tell you, having watched this movie, I was going to say Jar Jar is not the worst thing. Jar Jar is is far from the worst thing in this movie. Far, far from the worst thing in this movie. And that says something because he's really not that good. Um, (laughs) But I asked my son about Jar Jar, and, and this is what he said. He said, and I quote, he's funny. Instead of "excuse me," he says "excuse me." Nailed it. Uh, yeah. Boom. He's
4: funny. He falls down. He's a wacky guy. Well, well, well You can. And if your kids had been like... born maybe fifteen years later, they would have laughed at the Stephanie Tanner reference that he keeps making. How wooed? How wooed? At least three separate times. How wooed? How, how do you know
5: Full House so well, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> he
6: lives. Uh, <laughs> never Moving along. That. I do like that Jar Jar is at least set up as being annoying to even the Gungans. I appreciate that they threw him out and exiled him just yes. because he was so clumsy. And That's obnoxious. the kind of thing
5: you want to put in your movie. But he
6: gets so, he gets so much screen time. <laughs> Jar Jar, you're the laziest
0: <laughs> man on <in> Mars. <months. laughs> <laughs> so we go
1: to the we go to the Gungan city, and I wanted to mention this too because um, something struck me while I was watching it. Somebody threw a brick at my head. It literally struck me. And no, um, in the original movies. The places we go are real places with fictional bits added on. And um, this was an example of a place that's just completely made up. It's just, there's an absence of place. It is a CGI world. Everybody's in front of a green screen. Half the actors are not actually people. They're CGI characters. And it bothered me. I, I think that that's actually one of the ways in which this movie fails uh, compared to as technically brilliant as it is, is is like the scenes in uh, later on in the in that are Italy <laughs> uh, are are more effective in that way. But but this was an example like of more money than sense where the Gungan city just you know I know it's supposed to be spectacular or something, but yeah, it was not. I just found it depressing because it was completely. Uh, just invented stuff, and it was there's no there and, and there. so yeah, just, just because nothing you, there, just because you can. Yeah,
0: I, I I was shocked at how bad the green screen things looked in this movie because I was thinking there was another thing going in. I was thinking, well, at least I'll get to look at the effects because the effects are going to be really good. But Jar Jar did not age well. The Ninety
3: nine effects are really yeah, terrible.
0: They, they did what? not look good. And the thing about the thing about the Gungan city in particular, my note when I saw that is not just that it's a green screen and there's nothing there, but that like what they replaced the green screen with looks like an empty soundstage it's like you could have made anything you don't have to make it look like an empty soundstage there is literally a green screen there you could make something that looks interesting lived in like an actual city and instead what they filled in the green screen with was something that looks like an empty soundstage with bad props on it
2: here's the thing about that is that i mean we have seen computer generated scenery that that works for movies i mean because if you look at any of the Pixar movies, for example,
0: that's all fake. I mean, it's all or, made, or look at right? look at the pod race for crying out loud. Yeah. They're not in a real desert there. Those are mostly computer generated. Everything there, and right, that right. It looks like a desert.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I think that there's, it's too everything's too smooth and clean and doesn't quite and empty. work. There's
0: nothing there. Like Naboo is a giant putting green. Same problem.
2: More than that, I think you know, and part of it is the the consciousness of the effects failing, but some of it is also just the. It's sort of an uncanny valley effect of it's not real, right? Like, you've hit that point where, like, yeah, the, technically there is a lot of stuff that's very good. But at the same time, there's something missing that makes this inherently not—there's no soul to it, like we're saying.
0: It doesn't look like a place.
5: The whole, the whole conception of the gunkans is wrong. The, yeah, the I, fact that, that they have a land-based army, but they live underwater. Mm-hmm. They're considered primitives, but they have a force field.
1: They live underwater in the air. In the in air. A bubble. <laughs> the, yeah. The,
5: the, you couldn't—I mean, the Jawas— you see very little of them but they feel like real creatures the Tuscan raiders you see hardly anything of them but i could see how i can extrapolate back i can they seem real they are there
1: that's another thing that le- unique or, that uh, legitimately made me laugh.
0: Yeah, is, the Tusken Raiders the that camped that Tusken out of the Raiders corner. Take shots <laughs> yeah, that, the... that is the probably the funny—I noted that is the funniest point in this entire movie because, A, it doesn't involve dialogue, and, B, that that's what they would do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Well, and, then, and
4: then shortly after that is what I think is the best cameo slash bit of fan service where the pod racers zoom past the jawline. <laughs> and He screams, Yeah.
6: <laughs> One thing I do like about Naboo is it's the first time in the Star Wars universe that there are two places on a planet. Yes. Up until now, yes. everything is either all desert or all ice. It's,
5: there's two separately evolved intelligent races on a planet. That doesn't happen.
2: Well, so far as we know. Oh, that's what doesn't happen? Well, and, and what, but, you know, why do we have to go back to Tatooine too? Like, why is this, as as my as my friend Tony says, uh, why is Tatooine, it's like the busiest outer rim planet in the world. Like, everybody goes through
6: Tatooine. Well, it's be between Naboo and Coruscant. But it's supposed to be in the middle of nowhere. That's what but he said. on the way to
1: the capital, yes. even though it's... Along in the a trade of route. Nowhere. It's on the I-95.
4: It all comes down but, to shipping again. And again, <laughs> the reason that we know about routes.
1: Tatooine is because, because they end up there this time. And that leads to Tatooine being important. But you're right. You're right. Um, I wanted to... We're, let's see.
5: We're going to hide Luke on his father's home planet. He'll never think to look there. <laughs> He'll never look at <laughs> With his uncle...
1: Julian loved. Um, at least they changed the, Leia's name. Lo- loved the thing going through the planet core with all the fish. Although I have to say again, why even call it the planet core? Because I mean, <laughs> planet core does not made matter of water. that it's completely scientifically wrong. But why don't you just say that we have to go underwater for a long time? <laughs> why do you yeah. have to say we go through the planet core? Because this planet is so messed up that there is water at its core. That's crazy. What kind of planet is this?
4: Well, and then why did the invasion force land on the opposite side of the planet from where they were ultimately going to invade? And then drive.
2: Who had the point? Did one of you have the point about the we need Jar Jar to get where we're going? Yes, and then, the, the
0: navigator. The yeah, and then, but then, wh- then they say, like, oh, don't worry.
2: Oh, yeah, we used the force. Don't worry about it. It's cool. So why did we bring him? And then we have to knock him out. And Why doesn't
5: uh, the containment shield around the submarine fail when the power fails? I'm so angry. <sighs>
2: Battery backup. Why no. do you drive on parkways and park
1: on drive <laughs> But the fish fish being eaten by other fish, uh my son loved it. Although again they do that joke twice.
0: Yeah, no, there's nothing there's no reason for that for that scene where they're under the water other than like it would be cool if there was a big fish. Okay, well like what what does this have to do with anything?
4: That big eel thing is a very discerning eater. He he eats only the giant fish butt yeah. and discards the head and the rest of it. Well, he'll, he'll say that later. You know, I was thinking in these giant
0: eating <laughs> things. I was thinking. I know this is unfair, but I I do I can't help but do it. Like it compare compared these movies to like you know the actual Star Wars movies, and you're like think about what happened when we had uh, characters who invo- who had a scene with like a big creature that was going to eat them think about what was going on with like the you know the thing in the asteroid right what, what what was going on in that scene we had characters that we were invested in we had interpersonal tension we had plot tension because they were trying you know someone was trying to capture them and you also had the creature and the mystery and and the fun there there's like 900 things going on in that scene in this scene what's going on transportation of characters we don't care about from point A to point B with <laughs> some minor things that happen like it there is no there are no layers to this movie there is no reason for that scene to be in there and like anytime they do anything remotely similar to something from one of the good Star Wars movies. You're like, what? (laughs) Like, it just, do not compare them in your mind because you will realize just it'll just make you hate this movie even more. Like, there's nothing there.
5: Qui-Gon seems bored. He's read the script.
4: He knows how it's going to come out. As much action as there is going on screen, what's going on is boring. I mean, it's just set piece after set piece for the first, up until almost where they land on Tatooine. Characters are bored. And there's no no tension whatsoever. there's
0: There's no interpersonal tension and there's no plot tension. There's nothing.
4: Right. Well, we don't. We don't care if the characters die, for starters, which is a small problem. But then, that even when it's set up that they might be potentially in jeopardy, you've got Qui Gon saying, "Oh, it won't be a problem." Well, so why am I watching?
5: He's a strategic idiot. His his whole approach to the movie is something will turn up. Yeah, it'll all work. The force will work out.
4: I would like to
6: briefly, because this is a good spot for it, present my thesis for a marginally acceptable way to view this movie. All right, let's hear it. Drunk. <laughs> Now people have tried that. They just get really, really angry and start throwing things <laughs> at their television. Yeah. Or they cry. So it's clear that Qui-Gon really has no reason to bring Jar Jar along. He claims it's the navig- he's the navigator, but immediately Jar Jar asks, where are we going? And he just says, uh-uh, the force will guide us.
1: I always thought they just felt bad because he was going to get ex- re-exiled or put in jail or
6: something, so they just sprung him. My theory is that Qui-Gon hates having Obi-Wan as a Padawan. <laughs> <laughs> from the very beginning of the movie the first thing Obi-Wan says is I have a bad feeling about this and Qui-Gon basically says shut up
4: it'll be fine <laughs> that's, a, that's a great first line for the heroes by the way because yeah. it, it really sets <laughs> us up properly Here are our, here's our two teammates they, we they too have really a bad out. feeling we about this do well we're all supposed to cheer right because it's a callback we all go woo. Bad feeling about
5: yeah. this. It's, but it's like the lightsabers; they're just dumping them onto the screen right. without any. I
2: contend this movie would have been better if it had been made up entirely of lines from the original trilogy, <laughs> just reordered
6: <laughs> in some, some arbitrary way. way and yeah. put in the right order. I've spent many enjoyable oh, yeah. evenings, which are just people sitting around saying lines from Star Wars. I don't see why we couldn't just <laughs> film that and everybody would enjoy it.
0: <laughs> and as we just mentioned, it you can do that well. The Tuscan Raiders, Utani. We're all like it's one second. We'll say, "Fine, thumbs up." That's yes, it. I smiled. Like you, it's not like we're against. That. It's not like we're against callbacks. It's just throw
6: in a yub nub.
5: What a remarkable
0: smell you've discovered.
6: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh man, I've got a new project, guys. I'll see you later. (laughs) So it's basically Obi Wan and Qui Gon complaining at each other, and then Qui Gon taking every opportunity to try to find somebody new. To be his new Padawan. And, to, and to, separate <laughs> himself,
0: to separate himself from, Obi-Wan, you stay in the ship. I'll go into right. town with the stupid
6: Gungan and with you he know, the He grabs Jar Jar. The me. minute he sees him says, oh, let's bring him. Obi-Wan gets mad. He <laughs> finds a slave kid with good midichlorians. He says, ah, let's take this kid. <laughs> Qui-Gon gets mad again. <laughs> At the end of the movie.
5: He wants Darth Maul to be his Padawan.
6: <laughs> <laughs> they have the big council meeting. And they say. Well, nobody would take this kid as a Padawan. He says, I'll take him. I'll take Padawan. him. You've already got <laughs> one. No, no. Obi- don't forget him. Now, don't need Obi-Wan. He just shoves Obi-Wan aside at that moment. He's ready. He's ready. And Obi-Wan is just crushed. And I admit, I'm just making all this up. This is not on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is when Obi-Wan decides to kill Qui-Gon and frame Darth Maul. <laughs> and then at the very end of the movie, Qui-Gon dies in front of Obi-Wan's eyes. And Obi-Wan is so sad that he agrees to take his hated little yep. brother, which is how he now views anakin on as his padawan but he does a very <laughs> bad job of it
4: you know if, if i may suggest a reason why qui-gon hates obi-wan i'm gonna guess it's the haircut <laughs> and then and then you've got the irony at the end when when obi-wan gives anakin the exact same terrible <laughs> just, haircut he's just passing it down dave it's the padawan braid it's like the last scene of the omen in a way
3: everyone must go through this at one point or another
6: <laughs> yes the haircut is just one of the
2: trials when you become a dad, you just emulate your own dad, and you give your kids the same stupid haircuts
4: you had to get. There's a very strange Walmart feel to all the Jedi haircuts, though. It's, I mean, you don't, you don't always see a rat tail and a rockin' pony in the same It's head. hard to cut hair with a lightsaber, let me tell you.
2: So that's my pitch. Uh, I, let me offer another alternative theory, which is that to Monty's, because I think Monty's is very good, but my theory is that Qui-Gon has a tumor his brain <laughs> and it makes <laughs> sure. I like it, it makes on. him imagine Jar Jar Binks who is not actually real and Obi-Wan goes along with it because he pities Qui-Gon for his
0: horrible hallucinations that he has
2: it's possible Obi-Wan is also a hallucination it's not really clear
0: Qui- Qui-Gon could also be drunk the whole movie that's another possible <laughs> interpretation because he does seem like the, the complacency about everything will work or hi everything it will work out problem. fine oh. no problem don't worry yeah. about it it'll be good he we'll tries to do Jedi mind trick on Watto it doesn't oh, work man. it's because he's drunk I
2: just got an image in my head of Jeff Bridges playing Qui-Gon Jinn as yeah, the dude I thought, man, that movie would have been great. Same robe.
4: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> it's not that hard.
0: He's got the beard. You know, this was a valued robe. They never show Qui-Gon's feet. Maybe it's sandals down there.
2: That lightsaber really mm. held his room together. Yeah,
4: <laughs> it really held the room together. So,
6: so that is my pitch for a way to pretend there's a protagonist in the movie and then it's not quite so bad.
4: So wait, 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 wait. What, who's the protagonist in that?
6: Obi-Wan. It's Obi-Wan's story. It's about okay. how Obi-Wan hates his master, but then his master dies, so he makes a rash decision and takes on this kid who should not be a Jedi. Yeah. Got it, he hates got it.
2: it. He, hates, he hates him so much that as the
4: protagonist, he decides to go sulk in the spaceship. he's the the secret protagonist that does nothing anybody anybody likes that's right who isn't on screen for more than about 10 minutes
5: you guys realize we're only up to the battle droids at the beginning of the movie
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's right folks your friends at the incomparable have spent an entire episode and barely gotten five minutes into star wars episode one how long is it going to take us to get through this all the answer is only one more episode only one more hour we promise that'll be in our next episode Until then, I'd like to thank my guests, Steve Lutz, John Syracusa, Monty Ashley, Dan Morin, Serenity Caldwell, and Greg Noss. Join us next time to find out if we liked or didn't like The Phantom Menace. The jury's still out, right? Until then, this is Jason Snell signing off. Thanks for listening.